0: I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. I am down in Salt Lake City, Rice-Eccles Stadium. We're in front of a crowd of 47,446 standing room only, sellout. Washington defeated Utah 21-7. to uh, the weather, 84 degrees, and uh, wind was coming up, and there was some gusts out there that were pretty severe at times. And uh, I don't know if you could see it on TV, but there were some fires down here, so you could definitely uh, smell the smoke in the air. But uh, crowd, wind, heat, none of it seemed to have an impact on the game. Uh, Washington's strong defensive game holding Utah to uh, seven points, and like I said, the crowd noise didn't. I don't know if you could tell on TV. It really didn't have an effect on the game at all, you
1: guys. It's surprising. I, I would have thought that uh, the crowd would have been. I mean, the Mus and in the, in the student section is considered one of the best in the in the Pac-12, if not in the country. And and you know, they go about six thousand strong, and you know, blackout. They have all day to, to get jazzed up for this thing. So, yeah, I'm a little surprised that it wasn't louder. But you know, again, that's it's not the biggest stadium in the world and you know it, it you know the the it does the sound does kind of go up a little bit kind of like at the the bigger stadiums like Michigan for instance yeah. so you know i'm a little surprised by that but again when you do what washington did on the very very first drive of the game i that might have taken a little bit of the stuffing out of them right away
0: they made a statement right away on that first drive, and, uh, you know, it was pretty obvious they were going to, you know, uh, rely on Miles Gaskin a lot, and that's just what they did tonight, Scott.
2: Yeah, they did. Um the problem is there were some other times where I was questioning some of the play calling, um, you know, to beat the blitz, you need to hit a – Screen pass over him, and Washington wasn't able to execute that. And Miles Gaskin was open a couple times, and just didn't get it delivered to him in time. You know, toward the end of the, there was several times where Washington had the chance to really step on the neck of. Utah and put this game away early and they just weren't able to do it a couple of them were some bad throws by Jake Browning a couple of them were some mix ups up up front along the offensive line which still concerns me a bit some of it was play calling so um, definitely a lot of room to improve and that's actually a pretty good thing because considering who they're facing here over the next couple weeks Washington has plenty of room to improve.
0: Well, I think you're leaving out one thing that Utah defense is pretty damn good. And yeah, you know the doesn't
2: talk- matter. That some of that was bad play calling though, Kim. Come on.
0: Yeah, there's a lot that goes into a play calling, you know. So, like I said, you know, when we were talking to some people, Coach Pete was telling people, you know, he was really nervous about this game because he thought that this defense was as good as they're going to face in the conference and you know those linebackers were uh, you know, doing a lot to disrupt things out there too. Hurt that they lost the one, but uh no, I mean, it's easy to criticize you know, play calling. It's easy to criticize. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know the execution, but you also got to take into account who they were playing, and that's probably the best defensive team that Washington's going to face in the conference this year. I,
2: I will agree with you on that. They are a good defense. I just thought there was some stuff that was questionable, and and I don't I don't disagree that those are athletic guys and talented, but they had lost two of their best players um, yeah. to you know, and and I just. I had some problems where, where Washington seemed like they had a chance to get a, go out and get something done and, and put the team away, and they weren't able to do it. Hey, they got the win, not worth getting too worked up about because, like I said, they got a lot of room to improve, and they still got a win and a tough place to play, but uh, still a lot of work to be done.
0: Hey, Chris, you, you keep better track of this than I do, but uh, Miles Gaskin with 30 carries for 143 yards. I can't remember. Is that a, is that a high for Miles? I'm not used to seeing him with that many carries.
1: You mean a high in terms of the number of carries?
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: I, he may, he. That's probably right at the high end for him. I'd have to go back and check and see, however many he's had. But you know, again, total Washington had over two hundred yards before you start to take away some of the negative plays from from Jake Browning and what have you. So, you know, to get over two hundred yards before you know, obviously those things get set back is a is a really good total for them. It really does kind of continue to establish that pattern that Washington has had in these kind of these road openers the last few years whether you know it was at uh, at Arizona when they ran for 350 or even last year when when Miles went for 202 uh, at Colorado and that was a big part of the game for for Miles to set the tone and have that 38-yard touchdown right away and then on top of that The, um, you know, just keep grinding, 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 ended up with like, you know, like you said, about 135, 140 yards. Um, That was so key to be able to try to keep some balance because one of the reasons why Washington was able to get off to a decent start and, and have the lead at halftime was because they had 210 yards of total offense, but it was 110 yards passing and 100 yards rushing in an ideal world. That is Washington's offense, completely balanced. And and going for four hundred to four hundred and fifty yards a game. That's about what you would expect from this from this Washington offense.
0: When well, you take a look at the carries, you know, with Miles Gaskin with thirty carries, Savan had only had three. Uh, you know, Sean McGrew with one, and Under <laughs> Elliott with uh, one carry for uh, thirty-seven yards, which was a nice reverse. And Chico with one, but uh, you know, boy, Savon and uh, Savan and McGrew, I mean, it was just all on Miles today
2: yeah yeah well i you know and and uh, was hurt at some point uh, I don't know if it was minor or not because obviously he was playing later in the game, but um you know uh Savan didn't look right he didn't look as explosive as he normally is, so I, I'll be real real interested to see um what you know how how much he's able to come back and be a part of the game plan next week.
0: Yeah, he was out there. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, somebody told me he was in on the 10th. I know the trainer I was standing there when Elise Woodward, you know, the sideline reporter from Washington asked, you know, if there's any injuries. And the trainer said, no, everybody's fine. Uh, you know, Savon was out there in the second half. So uh, I don't know, you know, maybe a strain or something. But uh, obviously it didn't keep him from being out there. He just uh, didn't get a lot of carries. And maybe this is just the kind of game that was just meant for, um, you know, miles because He sure seemed to uh, thrive on it. And and like I said, you know, with uh, that first drive, uh, it it looked on that first drive also. And I don't know what you guys saw, you know, uh, from up high where I was down on the ground. It sure looked like they were favoring going to the right with um, uh, Jackson Kirkland and Caleb McGarry over there.
2: No, I I would fully agree with that. Yeah, they were going to the right quite a bit. Um, I think uh, Hilbers, uh, you know, came out for several plays, um, several series, actually. Henry Roberts was in Henry Bainavalu came in and played Luke Luke Wattenberg was kind of up and down at different points so um I think they just felt more comfortable with Kirkland and, and McGarry on that other side and then Nick Harris being able to pull around and actually uh Luke Wattenberg had a couple of nice pulls um one was on that uh touchdown run by Gaskin um that that really set the stage for uh Washington to get some good pulls uh, pulling uh action and everything like that so um you know, you know, the offensive line definitely still has a lot of work to do, and that's a good thing because they still managed to rush for 152 yards.
0: Scott, uh, did you notice if uh, Nick Harris came out at all? It looked like he played the entire game.
2: I thought he did, but I thought I saw Jesse Sosby in there, but maybe he was in there at guard. I don't, I don't know, but I saw Sosby at least at, at one point.
1: Harris was yeah, definitely well, down. Har- Harris definitely left the game. Sosby okay. came in at center for – I would think for some of the, at least some of the fourth, at the very least, some of the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah. And Nick Harris was limping before the game. He was limping after the game. So it's uh, pretty obvious that Nick Harris is not a hundred percent, but uh, he seemed to, he seemed to do okay uh, against a stout defensive front. So um, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. Uh, no Trey Adams, of course. And uh, Joel Whitford, no Joel Whitford uh, tonight, um, tonight either. So, um, Scott, I, I haven't had a chance to see the message board. People have a problem with the punting game?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I mean, um, because all he did was kick line drive kicks, and he shanked that one off to the right with no pressure coming on him. um it, well, I'll tell you what that, happened on that. I'll tell you what happened on
0: that, you know, the, because they've been line drive kicking in the um, – uh, the um, who was it? Covey. Is it Covey who was returning kicks? Yes. The returner yeah the returner came way up because he was going to try to get the ball before it hit the ground. So they had a pretty hefty, this is a time point in the game where the wind was pretty heavy and he was been, he was booming them. I mean, what was weird is when he's warming up before the game and at halftime, you don't see race Porter do any of those line drive, low s- rugby style kicks. He's just booming them away. He was hitting them 50, 60 yards. So the um, receiver came up and he was only playing maybe 25, 30 yards uh, deep. So race Porter was going to try to, you know, hit the wind, and that was a call from the sidelines, and, yeah, he shanked it, so. Um, Yeah,
2: I I just – the line drive kicks i mean we saw it last week where he was able to get him down before the guy was able to come up and get him and and make it so it was almost impossible to read where the punt was going tonight he was kicking him almost directly to uh covey and obviously they saw it on film how far his line drive punts were and they came up and did it and they they took advantage of it so i would say the punting game is definitely a concern joel whitford can't get back soon enough in my opinion
0: well, the one one where they had the return, it actually hit the um, hit the Utah player, and boy, he just got a lucky bounce because boy, when that hit the Utah player, I thought Washi was going to get it down. At about Yeah, the 10- I saw
2: that. Yeah. I saw that, and I thought it was going to happen too. But yeah, Co- that Kobe kid is tough, and he's a really smart football player.
0: He got the crap beat out of him today. I mean, yes, he, he
2: did. Like, is uh, is uh, is
0: he the one that JoJo got? Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
2: it, he. That's and about Mark his game. Burpee and Tevis Bartlett, and yeah. yeah, and Jalen Johnson. Yeah,
0: that's about his
1: game. of performance from a kid that I've seen, but by the by the middle of the fourth quarter, or near the end, when they were having to to go for it on fourth downs and whatnot, I mean, it just it, it just looked punishing to the point where the coaches should have stepped in, and and obviously they did. I think in the last minute, minute and a half, but yeah, it, it just. The guy just continuously got pummeled, and it's, it's amazing that he was able to finish the game upright.
2: One other thing I'd like to add, and Brian Greasy actually stated it pretty well on the broadcast, and I've been saying this for a while, that a reason for a lot of the concussions, at least from the running backs and wide receiver standpoints in the passing game, is because quarterbacks are throwing them into coverage, and um, instead of throwing away from coverage, they're throwing them into coverage. And that's what we saw happen to Kovi a couple times, especially with the Byron Murphy hit. Um, Tyler Huntley set his guys up for big hits, and they were really paying for it. The one that JoJo did as well. Um, the, the quarterback did not help his receivers at all tonight referees
0: were under uh, fire and uh, boy they got out of here in a hurry and uh, it was ugly at the end of the game for the referees uh, the horse call non call did we, did you get an explanation on that at all because I didn't
2: it wasn't didn't a horse
0: call. well yeah. you just grabbed the jersey
1: on the yeah. well, on the broad yeah on the broadcast they talked about how they didn't think it was a horse collar between the tackles so right. I don't know if that's actually the the right definite or the the, the the correct reading of it. Um, it was kind of iffy, he, Benning eventually kind of ended up getting the horse collar, but he didn't start out there. So that's where I think it was a little mixed. It was a little hard to really kind of diagnose what was actually going on. Um, because you know, he's trying to, Covey's trying to get out of it so hard and Benning's holding on. And so, yeah, I mean I can see where they would be really disappointed. I I guarantee you if Washington fans saw that against a guy like Chico, they'd be screaming bloody murder. Just like the just like the targeting calls. I guarantee you they'd be screaming bloody murder on those too. So it was interesting that the kind of the home cooking really did not favor Utah when it when it really comes down to it. I mean, I understand, you know, we, we all think that those things kind of even out in the end, but I guarantee you if, if we were listening to Utah radio right now and Utah radio in the coming days, they're going to be talking about the refs a lot.
0: Yeah, I was listening to it and it was pretty painful to listen to. But, you know, uh, it sounds like you guys, um, you know, on TV were not getting the same view as we were getting in the stadium because we were getting the feed on the big, uh, you know, replay board exactly what the officials were seeing. And with the two targeting calls. They were good calls. I mean, you know, if you hit a guy with the crown of your helmet and the guy you hit's head snaps back, it's going to get called every time. And that's what definitely happened on both of those two. And like I said, you know, I talked to Scott a little bit, and that's not what he saw. But it was pretty obvious on the angles I got inside the, the stadium. Yeah. That, the uh, yeah. the, the, uh,
2: the uh, second one I would dispute. The first one, it, I, as much as I don't like the call because the guy's engaged with Nick Harris, and then he's trying to make a tackle. And I, I think – If you go by the letter of the law, that was a targeting call and it was a good call. The second one I debated just a little bit, although when you watch it, you can see his helmet just barely touch the face mask and that's what caused Browning's head to snap back, and they're going to call that too. So technically that one, I guess, would be one too. I thought that was a little ticky-tack, but I understand why that's called. The the one that um, they thought should have been a horse collar on on Benning, I, I would di- uh, dispute fetters a little bit. I actually think it started off as a horse collar, but it's not a horse collar penalty unless they drag the player down by that. It's not oh.
0: – Somebody said something about the rule you, that you can't you can't call horse collar if it's between the tackles. Is yeah, I,
2: well, I, and I understand that. I don't know if that's the case or not. But the only way they'll call a horse collar penalty is if you drag him down by the horse collar. He didn't do that. He grabbed it when the guy went by. I think what a lot of people thought was that he had the face mask because it was right up by the face mask, but he didn't get the face uh-huh. mask.
0: He no, got the, the horse
2: mask. Yeah, he got the padding, the shoulder pad collar area, which would be a horse collar. But then once his hand slid off, then it was all jersey that he grabbed. And that's how he actually ended up tackling him. If you go watch the replay, watch the way that it starts and then it ends. It's not a horse collar.
0: And then also the, you know, the replay, you know, uh, with Ty Jones catch. I thought it was a catch. I didn't think it was that. I, I mean, I thought it was pretty obvious from what I saw.
2: Yeah, I, I
1: thought. Yeah, go ahead, Fetterson. I was going to say it. It sure looked pretty obvious on TV. Yeah, I mean, it looked obvious that his knee was not only down, but then you could also argue that his foot was down as well. So, yeah, yeah either drug either or, toe.
0: he drug his toe, which you know I didn't think the knee had anything to do with it because the toe hit before the knee. So, uh, well, um, nice. I, I think
2: the I think the referee had a bad angle on that because he was inside, yeah. um, and so it's really tough to see if he. If he got the knee down beforehand, it's a good thing they have uh, instant replay and everything like that. But I didn't think that should have even been a, even needed to be one. But, you know, I guess a lot of it depends on where the uh, referee is when the call is made. I was also going to say,
1: I was also going to say too, Kim, just in terms of the officials, the one thing, the one time I really would have, you know, if I had been a Utah fan, would have really taken exception with was the second fumble that was called that didn't look really like a fumble at all when you looked at it on the TV replay, it was to, um, one of the freshman receivers and he he turns around and starts to make a football move. And even before Jordan Miller can punch it out, the ball's coming out. He never really, to me, it never really looked like he had control, but at, at the very least, even if the referees upheld the call, which is fine, they never even reviewed it. That to me was shocking. I was. I thought for sure as soon as Washington lined up, I was ready to hear the whistle blow. Were you know this this the, the plays you know under further review never happened. Man, if I was a Utah fan, I would have been apoplectic.
0: Well, I also told you there was a uh, intentional grounding on Jake where they um, you know got deep into Utah territory and then promptly lost thirty yards. But um, there was a grounding call where they called in the back judge. Uh, Drew Sample was in the area, and the back judge, you know, was just, I mean, real adamant, and real demonstrative, pointing to Drew Sample, you know, pointing, no, Drew's here, Drew's here, and uh, then he went and, you know, conferenced with those guys, and I thought it was going to get overturned, but, uh, you know, maybe that guy was a rookie or something, but, uh, I think you most know,
1: objective, I think most objective fans of either team watching that game tonight could tell that the 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 officiating crew didn't I don't think they had their best night
0: well they weren't throwing flags a lot there was only five penalties on um, Washington for 35 yards and six against Utah for uh, 55 so it's not like they were flag happy so yeah um, and and, and
1: that's fine I get that but I I also saw some some just some major league holding going on and granted if you're not going to call holding on one side don't call it on the other just be consistent I, I get that but there were some blatant ones um, that just was like, okay, all right. If you're just going to let it go, I guess you let it go. So,
0: yeah, and you know, my feeling is you're going to have calls that you're going to get, calls that you're not going to get. Refs don't see everything. I didn't think it was uneven either one side, and they weren't throwing flags. And I just thought it was a good, hard-fought football game. You know, it just seemed like. We don't see many of these where it's just tough physical football dominated by defense in the running game, and that's what we saw tonight. So uh, it's good to see one of those rather than the 51 35 shut, you know, blowouts that we're all, I mean, you know, shootouts that we're always used to seeing. Just real quick, just running down the uh, stat sheets uh, first downs, uh, Washington with 18, Utah with 13, net rushing yards, Washington with 172, Utah with 123 net yards passing. 155 for Washington, 138 for Utah, total yards, 327 to 261 for Washington. Offensive plays, which is something people always like to keep track of, 65 plays for Washington, 68 plays for Utah. Uh, I thought the key to the game was turnovers, um, you know, especially those two fumbles by Utah uh, penalties. We talked about only five for Washington, six for Utah uh, time of possession, you know, pretty close Um 26. Washington, uh, you know, 33. Um, Utah with 26. I thought the big number where Washington struggled a lot tonight. Washington was five of 13 on uh, third third down conversion. Utah was nine of 19. I thought Washington played pretty well, but uh, you know, almost 50% to Utah on that um, on third down conversions. And uh, Miles Gaskin, again, 30 carries for 143. Jake Browning. I thought he did some really nice things, did some bonehead things, but overall he won the game, You know, uh, led the team to victory, 14 of 21 for 155 yards. Boy, Utah threw the ball 38 times, which really is kind of surprising, 20 for 38 for 138 yards. That's 20 completions for 138 yards. That's pretty low on the average yard per carry um, receptions, I mean. Uh, who do you think led the team in tackles, you guys? Uh,
1: ben oh, I already know.
0: <laughs> ben Burkirvan, as he should, led the team with uh, with uh, eleven tackles. So,
2: I, I don't think he had a very good night. His numbers look good, but he—I don't think he had his best game by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Yeah, well, I don't think I don't think the linebackers in general started out very well, Scott. But I do think that they really came on strong as the game went on, and 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 really. I, I think in the final analysis, and, and obviously this is something I'm going to write about a little bit later, either tonight or tomorrow, this game was all about the defense. I mean, this this game was all about yeah. death row. I mean, you you look at the drive chart for Utah. After the touchdown, it goes punt, punt, interception, and then that's the half. Th- and then the third and fourth uh, quarters are fumble, fumble, punt, downs, downs, downs. I don't think it gets much better than that, frankly. It is. Do they have three consecutive
0: drives with turnovers?
1: The no, they just well, interception, fumble, fumble, yeah. But it was yeah. one one to finish the end of the half with Jordan Miller, and then the first two right. drives for Utah to start the third quarter both ended up in fumbles. Yeah. And then
2: the last th- their last three offensive drives were uh lost on downs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I thought the defensive secondary, I, you know, I'm, I'm still surprised that, um, you know, Utah threw the ball 38 times. I know towards the end of the game they had to, but, you know, uh, Tyler Huntley is not a guy you want throwing the football. He's inaccurate. That throw at the end of the half, you know, what are you doing? Um, you know, that was kind of surprising, but uh, I thought the secondary really, really played well. And, you know, uh, Byron Murphy, they didn't show that replay on the scoreboard. <laughs>
2: Well, I'll tell you what. He was my defensive player of the game. Five, uh, what five tackles and four pass breakups, and um, you know that. I mean, and he had a tackle for loss too. I thought he had a heck of a game tonight. He was my player of the game from a defensive standpoint.
0: What was the better hit, his or JoJo McIntosh's?
2: His, his was better. OK, yeah, Jojo Jojo's was was not I mean, it looked it, it still was a, a good hit, but it wasn't like Byron Murphy's hit.
0: Jojo's was a loser lunch where he hit him. He hit him right in the, right in the gut, man. He yeah. just mm-hmm. he, he got him good. So tough physical game. I thought um, uh, Jalen Johnson also had a really good game.
2: Yeah, he did. He definitely did And uh, actually was down on punt coverage a couple of times. Got a tackle on Kobe on on one of the plays. He lit him up because <laughs> Kobe's yep. not that
0: big. Kobe's
2: not that big. No, and that's another reason why Ben curvin kind of struggled in my book because Kovey blocked him one-on-one. And, yeah. yeah, when when Huntley was scrambling and things like that and he couldn't get off the block by Covey to stop the first down. But it is what it is. He is who he is. He's going he's gonna to rack up a bunch of uh, tackles, but he's not going to make the spectacular play. And maybe you don't need that in this defense. I don't know. But um, I just don't think that his numbers represent the kind of game he had. That's just my opinion, though.
0: Yeah, I'm telling you something to look out for in the Arizona State game because uh, last week against North Dakota, they came close to a couple of punts and backed off. Tonight they were getting in pretty deep on the punters without a lot of effort. Look for a block block punt to be coming up soon. I thought they could have got to one or two tonight if they, uh, you know, if the right situation, you know, uh, showed itself because boy, they seem to be getting in deep with the punters. So look for that in the next game or two. So anything I'm missing, Chris?
1: You tell me. You're the one down there. Ah, <laughs> uh,
0: no, no. I mean, it's you know, Utah. It's it's a little different down here. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely not Atlanta. It's How would you know? It sounds day. like you
1: spent your whole day in the hotel room.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I went into the bar last night. I had five beers. I think they were 2.5 percent. So it was kind of funny, um, you know, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Everybody down here is really nice. This is a real they run things really well down here. So everything's really well run. I'm a little bit uh, concerned because, uh, you know, they close everything early. So I'm hoping I can get an Uber out of here. because I didn't rent a car. I just Ubered. So I'm hoping I can get an Uber back to the hotel. So uh, we'll see. But uh, Scott Eklund, final thoughts, final impressions?
2: Uh, final impression is that Washington did what they needed to do to go down and get a win in a tough place. Um, still a lot of work to do. I'm I'm just going to repeat myself from earlier in the podcast. Basically, there's still a lot to work on. The fact that they go down and get a 21-7 win, like I said, in a tough place to play and still have a ton to work on. That's nothing but positive. Yeah. Uh, Chris Setters, final thoughts?
1: Yeah. I just think that, um, You know, I mean, when you know, going into this game, it was all about Jake Browning, it was all about the run game, it was all about the offensive line. Now, coming out of this game, it's going to be all about the punt game, it's going to be all about the offensive line, and it's all going to be about the one glaring Jake Browning error. So, I think to eliminate at least one of those things in terms of the idea that the run game can show up and can be a a legitimate factor in trying to get a win is, is is important, really important. And again, it was good to see that trend continue where they've gone on the road, first first road game of each Pac-12 season the last few years, and the, the run game has really established itself in trying to get those wins because we know how tough it can be to win on the road in the Pac-12. So, again, I thought that was a big positive, but I know the, the offensive line, special teams, you know, as as Scott said, there's so many things that they're still working on and they've – They've scratched the surface of their potential and yet to still, you know, win in a real hostile environment by 14 points is, um, I, you know, in that sense. I think that the end result is the thing that I think most fans should really focus on.
0: Yeah, take a win down here against this team any day uh, of the week on the road. Pac-12 road wins are not easy to come by in the next couple of games. Arizona with the Arizona State with the loss and they've got Arizona State coming up next, uh, next Saturday, 730 kickoff, I believe, is it?
2: Yep, yeah, 7.30 kickoff.
0: More fun time. That, and that game is sold out, and uh, BYU uh, after that, and they defeated Wisconsin. Was that in Madison, or was that? Uh, yes,
2: in Madison, in Madison, wow. and it was 120 degrees on the turf there. Well, that's a
0: big big win for BYU so that's not going to be an easy game either so uh you know coming back home three games played and only one at home so it seems kind of weird only one home game and boy that was against uh, North Dakota so uh lots to look forward to and uh just a reminder for those who want the daily daily uh, updates in their inbox and uh, notifications of breaking news just shoot us a Emails, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We'll go get those in your inbox and uh, back on the radio from 7 to 8 on Wednesday night on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Don't have a schedule yet for Saturday. We will have that soon, and we'll get that out to you. So uh, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Go dogs.